book of John. I struggled with this because I had, uh, I've got markers in my Bible. I got several messages, but this is the one the Lord wanted me to preach this morning. And so this is the one I'll preach. Uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 is where we'll start. We've been here once before. Well, on Mother's Day, I believe, it was close to Mother's Day, a third day, there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee, and a mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So Jesus Christ had just started his ministry at this time. He'd already uh, been led to the disciples, or the disciples were led to him. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. The title of my message is called The Hour. When Christ set his eyes on the hour. Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto him, do it. She said for us to obey Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean much to us as Baptist or Biblicist, but if you are from a Catholic background or uh, numerous other denominations hold the Virgin Mary, so to speak, up into high esteem because uh, she was the mother of Christ and she should be held to some recognition for that matter. But uh, this is uh, the only words she ever said in Scripture was whatever Jesus says, do it. And that's, that's the underlining theme of my message. Are you ready to do what God told you to do? Are you ready to do what Jesus says? And, rare were, and there were set six water pots st uh, of stone after the manner of purifying for the Jews containing two or three Perkins apiece. The manner of purifying is washing, uh, ceremonial washing and uh, cleansing. And we'll get into that probably this evening when we discuss baptism. So, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, the verse I wanted you to see is Jesus Christ was aware of why he was here on earth. He wanted to let his mother know he was, he was actually not having much of a debate with her, uh, he didn't. He wasn't arguing, but he was in the process of transferring his authority from his mother to and father, if his father was yet alive, uh, he transfer his earthly father. He was transferring his author the authority in his life from his mother to his heavenly father, and that's where he was uh, trying to let her know that he his purpose in life was going to be fulfilled. Possibly not yet. I imagine he took that as an opportunity, both in prayer and in heart, to uh, begin his ministry. And this, in fact, is the first miracle we see in his ministry, set forth, first recorded uh, miracle. And uh, we see him looking forward to his hour. Now, what was his hour exactly? Let's go to... Uh, we're going to look in all four Gospels, but we're going to go to the Gospel of Mark next. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. 
And verse 41 is where we'll start. 1441. And there cometh a third time and saith unto him, Sleep now. Okay, we'll start in verse 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit, sit here. This is Jesus Christ speaking to those disciples which were at the wedding feast with him then. This is some time later, uh, about three years later, in fact. And uh, he's sitting there in Gethsemane with his disciples. And he taketh with him Peter, James, John, and began to, to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. There's that word hour again. That same hour that he was talking about when he started his ministry, this is at the end of his ministry. And if you'll see him refer several times in Scripture, in the, the Gospels there, to his hour. What is that hour? Possibly unto thee, take away the cup from... And he said, Abba, Father... Well, I'll read verse 35. And he went forward a little and fell to the, to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father... All things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He's submitting to his heavenly Father. Submission is nothing new for Jesus Christ. The whole Christian walk submission is part of the whole Christian walk. And as Jesus Christ matured in his faith, oh yes, he had faith, he matured in his witnessing his ability to uh, submit himself to Christ, to submit himself to his heavenly Father, rather. To submit himself, in fact, to God's word. He knew he was the prophetic fulfillment of Scripture. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew as his hour approached what it would entail to the last minute detail. And he had to spend the next three years of his life totally submitted to God's will and word. And he cometh and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is re ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither was they that what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest, it is enough. The hour is come. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed unto the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. So many times I think we as Christians sleep. As the coming of Jesus Christ is at hand, we're asleep. Taking care of the flesh. We take care of business, and I'm, I'm as guilty as that. I kind of like that song, Taking Care of Business. Uh, we all have to do that. But we tire. Then we got to play to relieve ourselves from that. That's not the way God planned it. You come to him when you need relief. 
You come to him when you're tired. You come to him when you're spent. Sometimes we need to, that's when he can really work with us, when we're ready to be molded and shaped and willing to be submitted to his work. How long will you kick against the pricks, he told Paul. And he wasn't, he wasn't, in his eyes, he was doing nothing but righteousness. According to his faith and his society and the culture he was in, he was doing God's work. In reality, God had to stop him and show him a different perspective, show him what true faith involves. And true faith was even a harder work than he had picked out, but God gave him strength to suffer on in perils and torments that he couldn't even number when he was called upon to do so. That's Paul made him an apostle. Rise up, let us go. He betrayeth. His betrayment is at hand. Let's go to Mark chapter 15, I believe it is. Let's see, Mark yeah, fifteen twenty-five. Next one over, 15, 25. And when they had mocked him, I'm going to start in verse 20, they took off the purple from him and put his clothes on him and led him out to the crucify him. That was Jesus Christ, the crucifixion at Calvary. And then compel one, Simon of Cyrene, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull, where they crucified people. And they gave him a, to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. That was a pain sedative at the time. And when, he, when they had crucified him, they parted his garments and cast lots upon them that every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. If you wondered what the hour was when Jesus Christ told his mother and transferred his authority, transferred his spiritual authority over to God's word, it was this hour here where he was crucified. For three years, he talked about the hour he was going to be crucified. He talked about the time he submitted himself to the will of his heavenly father. He lived for that day. He lived for that moment. How do you know he lived for that moment? Let's go to John chapter 7, verse 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We've touched all the, uh, the chapters, all the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Chapter 7. Uh, I believe it's 17. Let me check here. John 7, 1. Might be 17, 1. I'm pretty sure it's 17. Yeah, it's 17, 1. 17 1. 17 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son might also glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to many as thou hast given him. And this is the life eternal that they might know thee and all, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee in the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify 
thou me with thine own self with the, the glory which I had with thee before the world was. What are you going to say when you stand before Christ? What are you going to say when you stand before God? Here's a person, and in the, when he was put into the flesh, a spiritual leader at the, put into the flesh, and when he suffered pain as any man could suffer pain, when he endured whatever any man could endure, when he lived what any man could live, when he was tempted of what any man could be tempted, he focused on the hour he was going to be glorified before God. If you've ever been in the war, if you've ever been shot at, you'll learn to focus on what will happen afterwards. If you've ever been in a stressful situation, you didn't know if you were going to live through it or not, you'll learn to focus on what will happen afterwards. It's a matter of survival. It's an instinct inside of every human being. But the time to give that thought is well before the hour of your stress, the hour of your determined, the hour of your death, so to speak. What do you focus on? Do you focus on riches? Do you focus on glory? Well, if you focus on glory, it should be the right kind of glory. Jesus Christ focused on glory. He focused on giving his heavenly Father glory with his words, his mouth, his lips, his actions, his deeds. Everything he did pointed to one person. That was his heavenly Father. I can't say everything I do points to Jesus. I can't say everything I do points to my Heavenly Father. Each one of us need to take some time and focus on where we're going to be one minute after we die. Each one of us need to spend some time and see what our day piles up to. When did you glorify God this last week? Had you had an opportunity to glorify God this week? Did you even go to meet him this week? Did you spend any time with him this week? Could your neighbor tell where you were on Wednesday night? How about Sunday? Does your boss at work know that you're making effort to be somewhere else on Sunday besides work? You have an opportunity to glorify God every day, just as Jesus Christ did. What have you done to glorify Christ this week? I know each one of us has had an opportunity. If not what you say, it's what you don't say. Sometimes it's what we don't do that glorifies God. My wife takes great joy in that because she says, he didn't hit me this week. No. <laughs> Uh, I'm too liberal with that. But just think about that. What you don't do sometimes glorifies God as much. Sometimes we have to uh, take some things we don't, don't really like. We have to do some things we don't really do. And everybody watches your reaction. Is he going to stand for that? Is she going to stand for that? Is he going to take that? Is she going to do that? You're being watched. You have an opportunity to glorify God each and every day of your life. When you go to the post office, you have an opportunity to glorify God. 
When you go anywhere in this town, you have an opportunity. When you go, when you leave your door, and when you leave your door has an amount, a lot to do with whether you're glorifying God or not. We need to focus sometimes a little bit past what's right ahead of us. So many times we sacrifice on the altar of eternity what's very temporal. We succumb to, if it feels good now, it's enough. I need relief. Who said you need relief? Who says that? Jesus Christ went three years and suffered for us. I imagine he wanted to spend some time with his mother and brothers and sisters there at the wedding feast, and he didn't stick around. I, as a pastor, the last place, when you have me do a wedding, and I've done lots in my life, I do about the same thing at funerals. I usually am the first one, last one there and the first one to leave. I don't like being very long at a wedding. I don't like being very long at a funeral. I like to let people relax and be themselves. I don't want to be there to interrupt them. But, you know, we want, we want God who lived for us, God who suffered and died on the cross for us, who took our sins upon him. We spend the same amount of time with him sometimes, don't we? He's the last place we go and the first place we run from. We need to uh, spend some more time with God. We need to focus some more times, uh, some more, t- and focus more on some of the things God wants us to focus on. So many times we sacrifice again what's taking place right now, and forget about eternity. We need to uh, think about the hour Christ spent for us. Was it just an hour, or was it three years? Was it just three years, or was it his whole life? Could somebody convict you of being a Christian? We need to spend some more time with God. Let's all stand.